Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. My, um, hold on, what? With my hinge pen pal, I finally said, hey, um, why don't we talk on the phone? Because, you know, we've been pen paling for like a month. Um, and he lives in West Palm. Why do you waste your time talking to someone? I don't know. He's got a lot of stuff going on, and it's, I don't know. It's just fun to have the attention. Is he totally cute? Not really. And last night I finally looked at his pictures on Facebook, and I'm like, okay, I can't do this. This guy's not even cute enough, and he's like 38. And then I changed my hinge profile. I'm like, I'm done with 38-year-olds. I need Too young. people with... This guy has like Too far. Kids. Too many kids. He seems really sweet, but I just, I, I really, I, you know, my meditation session today, I decided that's it. Whatever's not benefiting me in my life and feeling good, I'm done. I'm just going to say this isn't working for me and finish it. Good. I need to make space for, like, the right people to come in, the right love. And I really, I really want to be in love. I miss it. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, no, okay, I, listen, I there are some new students tonight, so. Um, I don't like new students. Don't be a bitch. This <laughs> is not high school. Um, Be nice I'm tonight. not telling them any of my shit. Just know that. I'm not in the mood. <sighs> Do your best. This is Writing Class Radio. I'm Andrea Askowitz. In today's episode, our first class of the semester, I gave the prompt, How Are You Really? The thing with the prompts is you don't have to stay on topic. They're meant to just get you started. I say go and time the class for eight minutes, sometimes six, sometimes 12. I gave the prompt, how are you really? And we got a lot of stories about the way we're influenced by our parents, no matter what our age. It seems like we're all sort of battling with the same things. In the first story, you'll meet Danny. He's talking about his underwear. I have to keep my tabs on them at all times. Otherwise, come the weekend, I'll be stuck with nothing but the frosted Cheerios boxers that I won from a cereal box sweepstakes when I was 11 years old. Those things are still laying around here somewhere. I don't like taking the time to do laundry, but the prospect of finding myself without clean underwear is a constant source of stress. Shirts I can rewear a few times straight. Pants, I never wash them. And there's so many orphan socks laying around that I can always match two members of different families together and no one would ever know the difference. I wouldn't know the difference. But it's not like that with underwear. A clean, tight-fitting pair makes the whole day start better. Makes the whole day end better when it's the only thing on your body when you snuggle up under the covers. So, I'm resourceful. Most weekends when I head to my parents' house for Sunday dinner, I lug along a bag of laundry, mostly whites. That way... I can just set it to wash while we're eating, and if I'm lucky, my mom will want to be a mom again and take it out, fold it up without even saying a word. Those are the good times. When they're out of town, it's the worst. I don't spend much time at home, so I have to plan it out a week in advance. When can I get a load in there using the machines downstairs? I work from about 8 to 6, class on Wednesday night, gym at least two other nights, find some nighttime thing to do with my girlfriend on top of all of that. Hmm... 
When can I get a load in there? I checked the stash. A few whites left, but we're getting down to the big floppy ones left over from a fat phase about a decade ago. <laughs> the bleach, the bleach stained ones that creep up my leg and give me a wedgie. The memor, the the collector's editions. I think Abuela gave me those pair a few Christmases ago, and I'm never exactly excited to put them on. But when it comes time, I appreciate having something stand between me and my zipper. The problem is those jockey boxers that I like are goddamn expensive. $20 for a three-pack, just for something that almost no one ever sees. I know in the long run it would make sense to just go ahead and buy more, give myself another week of cushioning for when things could get unpredictable. It would make sense, but I can't do it. I look at my life. A 29-year-old, active, outgoing, studio-renting professional with juvenile tendencies, and I see myself standing next to my father, and I can't bring myself to splurge. I was never poor growing up, but my parents were and they raised me to know how it could feel. To this day, I hear people ask my dad why he mows his own yard, does his own yard work, spending days toiling in the heat of the Miami sun to do what someone else would gladly do for cheap. He has a good job, and so does my mom, so why the unneeded stress? Somewhere along the road, and I don't recall ever outright having this conversation, I began to understand. We're meant to stress over some things and to have some things consume us. To my dad, it's the garden, keeping the grass cut, pruning the branches, harvesting the season's fruits from the trees. It never goes away, and the satisfaction of having to keep tabs on it, along with a potential payoff, simply cannot be outsourced. It has to do with pride. This is me. This is my land. I'll be damned if I let someone else work my land and put a claim on its fruits. Mm -hmm. Paying someone else to do it? It's even more ridiculous. My underwear, I realize in a completely absurd sense, is my land. <laughs> it requires attention, vigilance, patience, planning, and my own personal touch. Only after prolonged suffering because of it can I feel completely confident when someone else sees it, because this stuff doesn't come easy. This is my land, and I need to tend it, one load at a time. <laughs> but, like... When did he decide in the story that he needs to take ownership over his underwear? Like I wrote, what's the situation? What is this about? Underwear? <laughs> no, the story's not about underwear. In every class, after every story, I ask, what is this story about? For a story to be a story and not just an anecdote, it has to have two things. One, a situation. And two, the narrator's understanding of the situation or the reason the story is being told. There's a whole book about this concept called The Situation and the Story, The Art of Personal Narrative by Vivian Gornick. So Danny has a situation. He runs out of underwear. Then he uses that situation to tell a bigger story about what it means for him to be a yeah, man. Attentive. I'm attentive. Yeah, with her. Right. Ever since Daniel's stories. To donate to the Danny Underwear Fund, go to writingclassradio.com. Hit the donate okay. button. I wake up at 7.30 again. And, by eight and here's Anessa, who's bummed out because her fertility doctor is the only one who sees her underwear. And by 8, I'm already stabbing myself in the stomach with a syringe full of hormones. This is day 9 of the pre-freeze stage. There are two more days to go. Three times a day, morning and night, I've been injecting myself with hormones two inches to the right or left of my belly button to grow follicles and produce eggs that may or may not become my future child. This Saturday, I will lay my eggs. Then I will pay rent to park the eggs on a shelf 
somewhere until I'm ready to use them. Had I known that needles were involved in this process, I would have never paid the $12,000 to do it. Well, technically I didn't pay. Mama paid 10, I paid two. I can't really afford 10 right now as a feng shui practitioner. Mama can't really either as a caretaker for the elderly, but she insisted, I don't want you to be alone in this world. We will all be gone one day. Who will you have? The nurses said there could be side effects, nausea, moodiness, bloating, and cramping. Like your period, only a bit worse. No exercise, no new projects, no stress. How about new relationships, I asked. No stress, she smiled. Can I have that in writing to show my mama, I said. Mm-hmm. I'm turning 40 in less than a month. I don't have a boyfriend, but at least I will have eggs somewhere ready to go when the boyfriend comes. I imagined going through this process would take the pressure off so I can take my time and find the right one instead of seeing a walking sperm bank and every man I meet. But Mama keeps reaming me with, with reality checks, and I'm caving in. A few days ago, Mama called to ask if I'm dating. Yes, Mama, I'm on J-Date, Match, and Tinder. There are men, but none worth mentioning. I need to focus on har- harvesting my eggs right now. There are so many men, daughter. The problem is with you. You live in the kingdom of crooked mirrors. Your filter is broken. When the men enter, you are, they are either not smart enough, spiritual enough, too tall, too short, talk too much, not talk enough. Then when they leave your kingdom, they go back to be normal for somebody else. I try to act cool. Mama, when you guilt me, it creates stress, which could have a negative impact on the harvest. <laughs> what does this mean? It means that the stress could block the production of healthy eggs, and your 10000 will go to waste. So the doctor said, no stress, no new projects, no relationships. But when Anessa sees a cute guy on J-Date, she goes for it anyway. His, prof- his profile said he was spiritual and that he made over 100000 a year. I rarely see those two words in the same sentence. He sent me a flirt to get the conversation started. I responded, hi there. You seem like someone I would like to get to know. We talked for 30 minutes. He's Israeli, owns a construction company in New Jersey, is tired of the dating scene. I told him I'm freezing my eggs. What? To take, the <laughs> to take the pressure off so I can meet the right guy, not just a baby daddy. I also mentioned that I'd really done the long distance thing and that there is a very slim chance I would uproot my life again. He said that he has an eight-year-old son and that he would only visit Miami on vacations. I let it die there, or so I thought. Then he sends me a selfie, and I write, so manly. I I ask him for his birthday so I can run run composite astrological charts. He says, wow, you're quick. He says, wow, you're quick. If it looks good, I'm buying you a ticket. I text him back, looks exciting, but fail to mention the other half of the report which suggests something about ego wars, lots of work, and compromise. Last night at 11.11, I received a text with my ticket attached. I called Mama. Guess what? I'm going to Jersey. Jersey? Why? <laughs> I met a guy on J-Date. This is not normal. Not good etiquette. He man. He should come visit you. You are the woman. Mama, can we just drop the rules for a moment? I thought you'd be happy for me. <coughs> Do you think I'm being crazy? There was a long silence, which is rare for Mama. I don't know what crazy is anymore. Maybe it's okay. Mm. 
Seven years ago, I traveled to Bali and visited with a very famous psychic, Katut Lear, the same palm reader that told Elizabeth Gilbert that her book, Eat, Pray, and Love, would become an international bestseller. Katut patted me on the back, rung a bell over my head, and chanted. Then he said, with his, in his toothless grin, don't worry, you will be married by 40. 40 is coming in less than three weeks. I'm worried. <laughs> I think back to 20. The last thing on my mind was marriage and children. I was dating Jan. He soaked my feet in hot water when I was sick. Bought me sushi on demand. But I didn't want Jan. He was too nice. Also, Mama thought I could do better. She liked to point out his flaws. <laughs> he have dirty, wrinkly shirt. If you marry him, you will have dirty children. <laughs> Years later, she would beat herself up. It was my fault you broke up with him. I should never have been involved. You would be married with kids. I would be grandma. And then I don't really have an end yet. That's kind of where I stop for now. Okay. Good. Anessa doesn't have an end to her story yet because she's still living it. Sometimes it's hard to see the end of a story when the situation is still going on. We need distance, time for perspective before we know the end. Because a story is not just, listen to what happened to me. A story is when an author brings meaning to the thing that happened. It's Anessa's job to bring us meaning. I think she will. Stay tuned to hear what she writes later in the semester. whether or not Danny launders his land and to hear who gets to see his underwear and to hear how it goes when Anessa harvests her eggs, listen to more Writing Class Radio. Writing Class Radio is produced by Diego Saldana Rojas, Allison Langer, and me, Andrea Askowitz. Theme music by Astromaps. Writing Class Radio is recorded at the University of Miami School of Communications. And there's more Writing Class on our website, writingclassradio.com. Study the stories we study. Listen to our craft talks. Write your own stories. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? I stopped going for men that were good-looking by conventional standards years ago. Mama always says, good-looking man is another woman's man. But when I end up with average-looking guys, she says, you have no taste in men. (laughs) Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. 
Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.